You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 94. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey-san, hey-san! How are you? Fucking tired. Andras, I can hear that you're not so echoey as you were on the last episode. <laughs> yeah, Are you back home? or? Yeah, I wish. Um, no, no, I'm not. Actually, <laughs> uh, one day after we got back to Hungary with Susan, I, I, I had to leave her in Budapest. Of course, um, I don't feel very good about that, but um, we went to Budapest and on that day she gave the talk and then on the next morning early in the morning i left for uh rome mm. i had to restart working so i'm you know uh one has to earn some money well let's be honest you've been off for a long time and you probably yeah. traveled more countries than i have in my whole life so but is the uh, about time tour came to an end actually by the time this episode goes out it will right But uh, Susan, I, I believe she is giving her last talk today on the day of our recording, which is Sunday. And then she she flies out from Madrid. Yeah. So yeah. By, by now she must be exhausted yeah. completely. Um, yeah, it's been a fantastic Freudian. tour for, for her and Mark and yourself yeah. and Lubo for, for a while as well. It, it's been, uh, but I, I think Susan has been the, the one who's been there from, she's been away from home for like almost a month right i was gonna say two but maybe you're right yeah. it's only a month yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's a, a close to a month I, i think it's a bit more than three weeks for her and mm. it's unbelievable and she's so energetic and and <laughs> she managed to recruit a couple of new editors for for a guerrilla skepticism oh, on wikipedia which is amazing especially at um, chick up fest I think there were 24 or 25 people approaching her. Really? So that wow. doesn't necessarily mean that that number of people will eventually end up being editors for her. But <laughs> that outcome of so many people approaching her with requests to to consider them as, as editors, that, that's amazing in itself. Well, I want to say that um, I'm actually really... I was really touched and impressed by her talk at the European Skeptics Congress and I think she should release it as a YouTube video because I think it's a very appealing talk and an argument she makes for uh, being a Wikipedia editor Yeah. Um, and posting it on YouTube will be a good thing and it'll, be, yeah. it'll, it'll, reach, uh, it'll reach a bigger audience. Yeah, I think all the talks will be released on YouTube. Yeah. That's true, actually, because uh, the European Skeptics Congress will going to release their own. Yes, but, you know, guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia is a really good course and I really, uh, you know, urge everybody who, who has the possibility to sign up because it's really, really a fantastic uh, tool to make sure that Wikipedia is, is not Uh, you know wrong <laughs> you know there are success stories brilliant success stories that she talked about but i just realized that i have a success story too mm. with with, oh, with my editing on wikipedia and the way i i got to realize that was that we were at chick up fest and she was preparing for the hungarian talk and she, she was showing me you know She talked about, when we interviewed her uh, last time, she talked about that uh, that stats kind of thing, the stats badger. Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. the answer. And that basically collects all the all the data. So from the moment the, the new page was released, e either a, a completely new page or a rewritten page, um, it keeps, a tr keeps track of how many times it was accessed. Mm -hmm. And uh, turns out that... She did not have all the updated info about how many Hungarian websites were taken care of. Because I, for some reason, um, I, I didn't provide her with all that information. So she only had four, four pages. 
but turn, turned out that there were much more than that. And we realized when we were looking at the numbers that I wrote a significant part of the measles page in Hungarian. Mm. And I added the issue with uh, the anti-vaccination movement and its results and the fact that uh, th- there was this Stefan Lanka guy in, in Germany who, who basically denied um, measles to be an actual virus. And what happened that when the Romanian stuff, that the Romanian measles cases were reported in Hungarian media, we saw a massive, a really huge peak in the number of views for that page. Hmm. And by that time, the new information with the anti-vaccination and everything was already there. It, it was already on the page. And from a couple of hundred views per day, it went up to 100,000 per day. Wow. So that means that 100,000 people on that day actually saw the information that I put out there. Hmm. Yeah, but that is a success story, because... If if you hadn't done that work, they wouldn't have gotten the the information about the anti vaccination. About uh, exactly. So so it's it's really great, and this is the this is the kind of things that happens with Wikipedia. You you really you should join, mm-hmm. dear listener. Yeah. If you if you have the inclination, please do that. So absolutely, I I I do urge and encourage everyone to do so. It's amazing, and and it's it's in your free time, and after having done the work. You're educating people while you're, you're asleep. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But uh, talking about educating people, I understand that you will be involved in something very special very soon. Oh, yes. Um, uh, Jelena and myself will be in Sofia mm-hmm. in Bulgaria yes. on the 5th of November. That's right. On a panel about measles, just what you talked about. So so that, that'll be fantastic. So, so it's an event uh, organized by Lubo, who was uh, one of your... Uh, passengers in the in the about time tour car exactly yeah it's called ratio the the event and there will it's an international event it'll uh, at least some of the things will be in english i think most of it will be in english it has to chris be french will be there uh, as a speaker i think a couple of speakers <clears throat> don't speak uh, the local language so the dr stephen goldfarb who is a uh, particle physicist mm-hmm. at cern uh, he'll be one of the speakers like you mentioned christopher french us? Yes. Oh, sorry, we will be part of the panel discussion. Mm. Are you yeah. going to be leading the panel discussion or what? What is it going to be? Well, I believe there will be a moderator who will be um, leading the panel discussion. And um, me and Pontus will be presenting a variety of information on the vaccination situation in England. Nice. And uh, um, I believe there'll be two experts on the panel as well one biologist another one uh, philosopher yeah and uh some yeah we're hoping for some interesting uh discussions around uh this topic um and hoping to maybe help to educate people did you mean to say england when i said that i say the vaccination situation in england i meant of course vaccination situation in europe yes that's right yeah as a whole um and I think Pontus will have uh, an interesting. Well, I will. Well, statist- statistics. Yeah, I've, I've looked into the statistics uh, of of and my what I've found is that there are many more cases in Europe than than what is officially known and what is officially reported in at least in the media. So so and uh, you will talk about the anti-vaccination movement, I think, uh, Jelena. Yeah, that's right. You know, guys, I, I do have only one thing. To hold against this this event, what? I'm not going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you were invited, so you have I to. Know. It's your own fault. So uh, don't worry. Yeah, it is my fault. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm so happy for you guys. So um, I I can't wait to see what the outcome will be, and I'm really hoping for a recording to take place. Yeah, I think it will be recorded. Yeah. So do I. Yeah, and yeah. I think okay. knowing the way that Lubo normally organizes the events, there probably will be a recording. Um, just want to mention yeah. that tickets are on sale as we speak. If you go on their website, we'll link it in the show notes, uh, which is ratio r a t i o dot b j. They'll have an event there, and it's also only seven and a half euros per ticket 
for the whole day of, of wonderful talks. I think it's a bargain. I mean, the only problem is, of course, for people who don't live there, they have to fly into Sofia. But yeah, um, but that's not so expensive either, actually. So I, I think an, an accommodation is is fairly cheap. So so if you have the possibility, come and see us there. That would be yeah, interesting. Please do. It's the there's still uh, almost a whole month left. Okay, but is there going to be anything else happening a bit sooner than that? Well, of course. I mean, we've been mentioning this event for a while, and it's uh, finally upon us. It's a QED, Question Explore Discover, no. in Manchester. Uh, <laughs> and it starts on Friday the, the, the 13th. Yes. The Lucky Friday, please note. Until 15th of um, October. And we three are definitely all going to be there. Yes. Uh, very exciting. Anders, are you going to be there on Thursday? I uh, no, no, no. I don't. I don't okay. think so because I'm visiting my sisters in Brighton, and I'm going to be giving a talk at Skeptic Camp, just like Pontus. Yeah. I yes. believe we both are. We both are yeah. going to have different talks there. Yeah? It's Skeptic Camp, for those who don't know, is on on the Friday. It's a free event, so it's not actually part of QED, but it's sort of a hang on to to the to the conference. <laughs> and you, so you can show up without having a ticket or anything. Uh, and there, yeah. are, there are a series of, of talks, and they're all just 15 minutes each. So they're short, and they're to the point. And it's usually very interesting. Last year, we had people... We had musical numbers. We had, <laughs> we had cannibalism. We, there was all kinds of interesting, interesting talks. One, yeah. uh, so uh, come along to that, if you don't, even if you don't have a ticket to QED. You should come along to that. And the reason for me to be very excited about my own talk is that this is going to be the first time I give a talk at a skeptic event about something that I actually know something of. <laughs> um, I'm going to be talking about tourism and uh, how BS is is infiltrating tourism. Ah, that's interesting. Very interesting. We're looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, but unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that by the time this goes out. Uh, tickets will not be on sale any longer. Uh, but we're really hoping that a lot of you have bought tickets and we will have a chance to meet you there. But we have recorded a couple of uh, interviews while we were at a different, a completely different, but uh, very exciting event, international event. That was the European Skeptics Congress. So on this episode... We don't have one long interview, but we have a couple of shorter interviews. And not only from that event, but also at the beginning of this show, we just talked about uh, how Susan Gerbic, Mark Edward, Lubomir Baburov and myself uh, toured Europe, uh, mostly Germany uh, and uh, Switzerland, uh, not too long ago. And along the way, I managed to record a couple of interviews as well. So... This is what you're going to be able to listen to on this episode. And not only this, but probably the next interview episode uh, is going to be filled with all these as well. Yeah. Because there's a lot of them. A lot. And we will probably record a whole lot of more interviews during QED. So, oh, exactly. Uh, that's exactly. Uh, something to look forward to. Yeah. And why I really like this is because it, it gives you an idea of how diverse uh, the European Skeptics Movement is. Because there are lots of people to interview, lots of people coming from different countries, uh, dealing with different topics on an everyday level. That is brilliant. That is just wonderful, heartwarming, so energizing to, to see and look through. So I really hope that uh, our listeners will all enjoy all those interviews. So let's crack on with them. All right. The greatest thing about these kind of conferences is that you meet people from very far away. And we have found one guy here, an old friend that's come a long, long way to be at, here at the conference. Please, who, who, who are you, mister? Oh, you <laughs> After all this time, you still don't know? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, What's your name? Yeah. Uh, my name is Eran Segev and I'm the president of Australian Skeptics. Uh, absolutely. So I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I understand also because we're Facebook friends and, and we keep track of each other a little bit. Uh, you've been on a pretty long trip. Yeah, I, um, I had um, two anchors to this trip. I attended a conference or a meeting of minds, uh, astronomy lovers in St. Louis, Missouri. 
um, with Pamela Gay and Fraser Kane from Astronomy Cast, where we um, saw the eclipse together. Yeah. Um, and that was an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, and I, that was something I decided uh, more than a year ago that I was going to do. The other anchor was this conference this weekend, the European Skeptics Congress, which was also a, a great experience. It was the, the first, first time I visit Poland, first time I attend the European um, event apart from the UK one. And uh, yeah, it was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the variety of people that I've met. You know, usually you meet lots of English-speaking people, and occasionally somebody who, for whom English is a second language. But uh, this is this is quite a different atmosphere, and all that. Of course, the proceedings were in English, but it was a different atmosphere, and I really really enjoyed it. Uh, just uh, because you asked about the travel, so what I did was so that's five weeks between those two events. I put a week on either side and then did a lot of traveling and much of the traveling evolved, uh, revolved around uh, family history because my um, grandparents are all from Northern Europe and because they're basically four Jewish families in the, in, you know, in the years between 1908 roughly and, and the war, there's, there's a lot of history there and there's a lot of things to see and I, for part of that trip I took my parents with me as well. So it's and if, been a fantastic trip. And really if I'm not mistaken, uh, your relatives came not far from Latvia, and we're kind of neighbors in that. Well, I, in fact, some like my my great grandfather on my mother's side, he is from Latvia. Mm. So mm. it's pretty yeah. amazing um, the how the Jewish population migrated from Eastern Europe away. They moved a lot. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Not always by choice. Not no, always absolutely. By choice. No. <laughs> but uh, but I want to ask a very uh, kind of not a very original question. What what was the highlight for you this weekend at the European Skeptic Congress? I think the highlight was not something that was, it was not a talk. It was, um, it was actually really, I know it sounds a bit trite, but it really was talking to so many people from, uh, from Poland, for example. You know, I've, I'm actually, funny thing is that because of my ancestry, I am actually eligible for a Polish, for Polish citizenship. <laughs> I don't have one, but I'm eligible for one. And so, but I've never been to Poland, and I haven't met that many people, um, uh, many people from Poland who haven't migrated to somewhere else. So it was a great experience to meet a lot of people from Poland and from the Czech Republic in particular, but also from other other countries here. Uh, from um, the representative from from Romania, I was very impressed by him, and it just in general, I think that that multicultural and multi-language atmosphere is something that I found really motivating and stimulating so so that was definitely the highlight for me in terms of talks i was most disturbed but at the same time enjoyed in a perverse sort of way the whole session about um about exorcism mm -hmm. and um and specifically the talk by marius i feel, i can't pronounce his last name but um you know he's a believer and I really enjoyed listening to his perspective. Also, he's a guy who clearly thinks. He, in my opinion, comes to very wrong conclusions and his reasoning is faulty, but he makes a real sincere and powerful attempt to reason into the positions he wants to reach, but but he still thinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing about this guy was that he had a scientific mm. background. He, he had 10, yeah. ten years um, he wasn't basically a scientist for 10 years yeah. and then he ab abandoned all this. But he stuck around for a long time for questions, I remember that. But he was also, he attended he the entire stopping. weekend. I interviewed him as well for the Skeptic Zone and um, he's a really nice guy. And you know, I think some of us, I don't know whether you have had the experience, I've had the experience of, of uh, attending um, events that were um, managed, run, made for are cultural adversaries, you know, war merchants of various kinds, you know, things like Mind, Body, Wallet. Richard goes to these events very often. I, I'm just not patient enough, so I don't do it as much as he does. But we, we all know, going to these places, very often they know who you are, they know that you don't agree with them, there's very often robust debate, but it's generally respectful um, in the sense that nobody's, you know, they attack your attitudes and all of that, and that you're not a type person. And I think that's the same happened here to Marius, although there were a couple of people who behaved inappropriately. But the, the good thing, the thing that I liked was that they were actually silenced by the people around them. People didn't like the fact that people were being disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. 
and again, it wasn't that bad. They were just being making trite remarks. Yeah, they were trying to. Be, I think they were trying to be funny as well. Um, yeah, and maybe even kind of push him into maybe thinking a little bit in a different direction. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever don't know. those yeah. attempts. No, were. But for me uh, as well, I think it was a, a good exercise in sitting there yeah. and you know letting him do his arguments, even though you disagreed, and, and just listen to try to understand how these how such a person thinks because yeah. he's clearly a very intelligent guy so it's yeah. not that and and uh, so yeah. so and the, so that was one thing but the probably the talk i enjoyed most was by um ovidiu um from romania who talked about how what they do about the anti-vaxxers in romania and it, it was just frankly it was a really good talk beyond anything else it was just i mean obviously i was very impressed with how they work and all of that but it was just a very good talk he's um yeah and that, that was for me probably the best one but i, I again this entire weekend was really fantastic yeah. i really enjoyed it uh, it was well organized there were obviously some technical problems because that's what happens in conferences yeah. um but but not much yeah. good. but uh, you also gave a talk yourself so so what was that about So, my, uh, if I remember correctly, the title of my talk was uh, "The Secrets of uh, of an Effective Skeptical Organization." That's right. So, I'm a manager by profession, a management consultant by profession. So, I it's not just that I manage; I also help organizations manage better. So, I, I think a lot about management, um, and that's I've been doing that for many years, and um, and I've been uh, the president of Australian Skeptics for. Um, six six of the last eight years, um, so I've learned a lot about management in general over the years and management of skeptical organizations in particular. And basically, what I did was try to give some ideas. It was mostly tips. Most most of the things uh, that I provided were things that I think you can learn. You know, organizations can learn from. But I do realize that most of these things. Probably, I was going to say can be adapted, and I, I was, and then in my head I was saying no, no, they probably should be adapted yeah. to the specific situation of the organization. But there were a couple of things that I, f I feel are not negotiable. If you want to have a successful organization, there's certain things that you need to have in place. There's certain things you need to think about. Then the details you can sort out. But for example, the, the main thing is the goals, and I actually spent quite a bit of time talking about. Goals. If the, if as an organization you don't know in quite some detail what you're trying to do, what, what it is that you're trying, why you exist, yeah, what's the direction? Then you you won't get there. No. So you need to know, and and knowing kind of uh, yeah yeah we know uh, spread the spectacle spread the skeptical message skeptic sorry spread the skeptical message whatever it's it's not a thing, oh. it's an idea. Yes. Whereas the goals need to be things that yeah. you know like the the your vision needs to be something that. You may not ever be technically able to achieve, but it is achievable in principle. Yeah, it, you know, we're a society that is like uh, the. I gave the goals in, as as Australian skeptics as, as an example. A society, a society where critical thinking is is the predominant way of making decisions, or, or some something like that. Again, we, I don't think it's technically necessarily possible, but it's definitely an aspiration that you can say, yeah, in principle, achievable. You know, um, and, and it, you know, it's and it's not rocket science. But you just have to take your time and sit down yeah. and think about it, so yeah, so that you don't start running around trying to fix things and you haven't even agreed what and, you're trying and, to fix. And and more than that, you can, you know, organizations. You know, people say, oh, maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that, and it's actually a really there's a very simple thing you can do when when there's debate within the organization about whether to do something or not. Go to your vision, mission, and aims, and see if. It actually fits. It like if if you are advancing those things, if you're if you're going towards your vision, if you are within the focus areas of your mission, and if you are actually working within the items of your aims, within the uh, areas of activity of your aims, because if you're not, then no, you get, <laughs> then you're barking you, up the wrong tree. Yeah, you get lost. You stray and you start working on things, and then you realize or not that. This is not what we set out yeah. to do. We just mm -hmm. got sidetracked, and now we're doing something that 
never was the idea. But you know what, what we need to do next? We need to have a vision and a mission <laughs> statement for the European Skeptics podcast. <laughs> um, but um, I think it's great to have expertise like yourself uh, because uh, a lot of those organizations are run by volunteers that not necessarily will have that insight. I mean, some of it is, is common sense, but some, you know, sometimes you do need the experience. Um, and uh, I saw a lot of, you know, heads nodding during your talk and there was a lot of like enthusiasm and I'm sure some of it will then carry through into the so, so look so, uh, I actually was thinking whether I should I wasn't sure whether I should give this talk or not because mm. it's a kind of talk I, in fact I was thinking that the right place to give this talk mm. would be at the EXO meeting the board meeting after yeah. the board meeting mm. after the conference which in fact I attended as an observer today and they, they were kind enough to ask a few questions and, and asked me to participate in the conversation but then, um, then I thought that for the audience who does not participate in skeptical organizing, it still provides some insight, not into the, how it works, but the, what, goes, what goes through an organizer's mind. What are the kind of things we need to pay attention to? What are the challenges? For example, volunteers. I think that, that, that to me was very important to say to this audience, because this is, this is an audience that paid money, sometimes traveled, you know, a significant proportion of the audience traveled from somewhere else, from outside of... Wroclaw, uh, completely from outside of Poland. Um, there are people who will you can uh, definitely have at least the potential to become activists. So I, the, one of my messages was volunteers don't get paid, but that does not mean they don't have commitments. You know, and and if a volunteer makes a commitment, then you you can hold them to that commitment, and they need to know that you will hold them to that commitment. Um, and you know, and sometimes life gets in the way. That happens professionally as well. Sometimes people say, "I will." provide some report and they get paid for it but you know a child is sick or whatever you know stuff happens there's a big project in you know another project requires their time and they don't get the report on time it's their duty to tell their managers in advance look there's three more days and i know i promised the report on wednesday or on whatever and but i can't i won't be able to make it and that is the duty and it's the same duty for a volunteer the imperatives on a volunteer like a volunteer will more should should have the flexibility to say i can't do it more easily than somebody who gets paid of course but the responsibility for the action is the same yeah it's a very good point yeah i i totally agree with you and uh, well we're very conscientious people <laughs> as volunteers and we would normally do that but maybe some people don't think it's an expectation all right, so very good. Nice talking to you. And I, uh, unfortunately, you will not be with us for QED, I think. No, I mean, again, you have, seven weeks. Out, seven yeah. weeks. Um, it's quite a long trip. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no, seven weeks bad. of travel. It's, uh, I think that's enough for one year. Uh, the thing is, you know, <laughs> people say, oh, you probably want to go back to your home. I'm saying the only kid I still have at home is 14 and if it gives me the time of day I'm feeling particularly lucky <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll probably come and say Tommy and go hi dad <laughs> did you miss me yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I think he misses me just not cool to say so <laughs> <laughs> right okay so so you're going back in a week or so in a few days the, I have yeah. uh, I'm going yeah. you see I haven't had enough holocaust in my in my life for the past few weeks so I'm going to Auschwitz tomorrow <laughs> Uh, and then, to, to finish on a and cheerful then, note. Yeah, though. to finish on a cheerful note. And then I'm, no, but You're making um, me laugh about yeah, the Holocaust. Of yeah. course, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then I'm going to Warsaw for a few more days and that's it. And then yeah. I'm going All right. So have a safe trip home and uh, we hope to see you back in here soon again or, or next year come, or, so. or maybe you can or come visit us maybe yeah maybe I, next to, next to. skeptical convention in, in in sydney yeah, yeah. so when is that next happen? year too early to say okay. too early to say well it was yeah. a pleasure to hang out with you as always and um it's great I, I was talking about it before that you know you sometimes don't see people uh for for a year or two years and then years and you catch up at the conference yeah. it's like you saw them yesterday yeah it's yeah. great yeah. absolutely all right yeah so have thank a you very much back. take care thanks okay. a lot bye-bye Hello, Richard Saunders here from the Skeptic Zone podcast, a podcast for science and reason from Australia. Every week since 2008, the Skeptic Zone has brought you reports, interviews and investigations from all around the world. We have many listeners all through Europe. 
That's the Skeptic Zone podcast at www.skepticzone.tv. We are on our tour. Uh, through Germany uh, and uh, Switzerland, all the way down to Italy, uh, that is called About Time 2017. And after having visited the opera uh, European Space Operating Center, we now stopped in Rostov to pay a visit at the GWP headquarters. Uh, GWP is the German skeptical organization. And here with me is Martin Mana, whom I would say is probably the engine of this organization, whom we don't see very often out in the limelight, but uh, does the work in the background. So, Martin, what is it that a visitor can find here in uh, this building? Oh, well, he can, first of all, find our headquarters. There's not much spectacular to see here. We just have a special library with a lot of skeptical and paranormal books, even some exotic things like the Indian skeptic, which cannot be found everywhere. And so if someone needs information, maybe on a, a paper, a scan or whatever, uh, a reference, they can ask us or come here to visit, if they ask us a, a, by appointment, of course. And this is an office that it's uh, open in office hour, normal office hours every yes. day of the week? Yes, that's open five days a week. But as we sometimes are out and you see we're just two people here, um, an appointment would be good instead of just dropping by. Are uh, both of you full-time employees uh, at the organization? No, I'm a full-time employee and our secretary and accountant is just a part-time. And uh, do people actually come and visit um, from outside the organization? Um, no, not from outside. It's mostly used by members, by the editors of our journal or the blog people. And so it's mostly used internally by asking. And they usually don't even come here. They say, oh, I need another paper from this journal. Can you scan it or whatever? So it is used, but not by coming here. So it's, it's not only the administrative support that you provide for the organization and the members of the organization, but it's also a, um, a kind of a knowledge center. Yes, I do need also all the stuff because... People, uh, one of the purposes of this information center here is that people from the public can call in, ask questions, or the media. And so sometimes if I can't answer an, a question right away, I'm going to the books and look it up. Or if I don't find anything here, I'll ask another expert from our organization to answer the question. And um, do they call in often? Oh, well, we get... Uh, between 300 and 340 questions per year. So it's on average about a, um, a question per day? Yes. And um, we've browsed... So we sometimes have long calls because we also do... Um, when you talk to a journalist, you can talk maybe even half an hour or yeah. something. And what we also do is testing people with paranormal claims. So you get a lot of calls where you have to explain how such tests are done And that sometimes also take, cannot take up to an hour to explain people what such a test is, why we have to do it in a certain way. Would he agree to this or that? And then they try something, then they call back. Mm. Oh, I did this and that, it worked this. No, maybe you change this or that. And then, so there is more talking going on than the just one <laughs> call <laughs> per, per day. Are you the one uh, running and planning these uh, tests that you talked about? Um, I do it with a colleague from the University of Würzburg. Um, he is a hobby magician and an expert in perceptual psychology. And so he knows all the tricks and uh, that stuff. And we can. he does it in connection with a seminar at the university. And so when people get here, I prepare the tests basically, and if I'm not quite sure, I discuss it with him. And in the end, we invite those people that we actually can test, and they have to come to Würzburg for the final, <laughs> for the finals. We're here with uh, Susan, Mark, and uh, Lubo, and we've browsed uh, through the uh, this 
library that you have here. It's an amazing collection of uh, skeptical, skepticism-related uh, books and documents from all over the world. So, uh, how long um, does it date back? I mean, it's probably a couple of decades worth of works that um, we can find here. Yes, I came here in 1999. Uh, that's when this um, information center was established. Well, I personally have been a member of GWUP since 1987, also since the very beginning, uh, but um, I was not really involved in the, in the actual work, just an ordinary member in the background. But in 99, they kind of offered this job, and as I had nothing better to do at the time, <laughs> I decided, oh, that sounds fine in particular because you're always faced with the demarcation question, science, pseudoscience, and since the philosophy of science is one of my hobbies, I could connect the hobby to the work a little bit. So that was just what is your uh, professional background? Oh, I'm a biologist by training, mm -hmm. I have a PhD in zoology, mm. and um, one of my minors was philosophy of science. And I also did a postdoc fellowship in Montreal with Mario Bunge at McGill University. Wow, that, in, in the that's impressive. Biology, yes. <laughs> that's very impressive. And you traded it for uh, running the organization from, from the inside. Yes. Um, well, the problem is when you are somewhere located between biology and the philosophy of science, um, you don't feel really well just among pure philosophers and among pure biologists, you kind of have to combine something. And um, biology led me to deal with creationism, for example, so I was familiar with pseudoscience early on in my student's life. That's amazing. And, and uh, what are the most important projects that, that uh, you run uh, with uh, the organization from here? Well, that's first our annual congress which is about three days too. It's a SCEPCON. A SCEPCON, yes. Uh, then we do the tests. I have to take care of the library somehow. The request from the public calling in. So that's the daily life. And then, of course, a little bit of general administration with, with my colleague, budget, annual stuff. So that are the main things. And then a few little projects. Like then, no, another thing is, of course, our own journal needs to be run. I have all the negotiations with the um, with the printer and with the editor. I have to check. We discuss it weekly, what we do, what articles get in there, who should review it. And um, so all this and all the little things, someone writes an article, oh, can you take a look for me? And you know all these little things. Martin, could you do this? Could you do that? <laughs> could you do this in between? And so the week is over by... A, a lot of very small things at times. Some like to argue that the skeptical activities are best done on a volunteer basis and uh, people just dedicating their free time out of uh, devotion. But um, how do you see that argument um, in the light of, of you being employed by, by the organization? Well, I'm just the one and only full-time skeptic in Germany, so that's not really much. And uh, someone has to um, keep things together, run things in the background on a regular basis and talk, uh, be on the phone also. And I think voluntary work is more for limited projects. Like I just showed you our parents' brochure for the par young parents. Yes. And that's something that uh, the volunteers can do. It's, it takes a, a limited time. That's why I really need someone to be here. It's, uh, especially, you see, we're not really in, in Berlin or in some other big city where you would have a lot of people around. We are actually here because of historical reasons. Amadeo lives here. <laughs> Amadeo Sharma. Amadeo Sharma, who is the, the chair of the organization. Yes, exactly. Founder and chair. Um, he's the creative motor of the organization and he keeps people kicking in the butt to work and bring things forward. But of course you need someone who is around every day available for such things and that's, I think, very hard to maintain with volunteers. You would have to ask people, oh, could you come in on Monday morning? Could you come in on Monday afternoon or whatever? I don't think that really works with volunteers. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, yeah, this is an imp important topic uh, nowadays because uh, there's there's more and more to do, but uh, to actually achieve something, you you really need that in the back in the background. Why I, why I said you are the engine of the organization is probably that that you you are behind, under the hood you you you're not yes. visible and uh, not the driver as, visible as some as, people would expect yes but and the driver is the chair of the organization who is uh, Amadeus Arma something like this yes that's <laughs> a good metaphor and um, what do, can you recommend to other because this group in general seems like a very um, successful skeptical organization uh, there are lots of well-known projects across the country there are lots of members thanks to which uh, the organization can afford to to employ people and and get the, the job done actually which is very important so based on your 18 years of experience what would you recommend to other organizations in terms of how to deal with problems like this or challenges well, that's uh, very hard to say because I'm not. The situation is different in, in in the countries. It all depends on the membership structure, how much uh, money you can generate from membership or subscriptions. And I think it's really essential for an organization to keep running well. Is really to have to be able to afford an office like we have here. It's small, you see, it's just three rooms, a library, a secretary and accountant, and a little meeting room, and that's about it. But at least you have some, the nucleus, the, the kernel of everything that, yeah. that, that works. And from that on, you can um, kind of uh, direct all the volunteers into various directions and give them little projects that are limited so they don't get fed up with with the work and I think that would be something everyone should try to achieve if they can afford it of course. We briefly mentioned the name of Amardeus Sarma who's uh, who used to be the chairman of uh, the European Council of Skeptical Organizations yes. the name of which can be seen outside the door in front of the office uh, you yes. have here. Uh, you yourself have been very active in um, the activities of the board of the organization However, the organization itself has not been um, that active. So uh, how do you see that the future of the European level skeptical movement? Well, um, well my activity is limited. I'm, I'm there because we here do the little website administration and also the financial administration. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's uh, essentially the basics that you can do. Of course, you need content and inter-European connections. And that's a very difficult thing. We have seen it um, very often that um, when you have a European meeting, everyone is so busy, every national organization is so busy with their own work and survival at times yeah. that it's then very hard to do something on the European level. You would really need special volunteers again who are able to interact with all the other organizations and keep in touch. But I'm at least proud, uh, very proud of uh, the fact that since uh, the early 90s we managed to run a biannual congress yeah. where European, the whole of Europe could meet. I think that's already a, a big achievement. Of course, you could always think of many more things that could be done, but um, let's say it's, it's difficult. But, we, but we're trying. And you are a first good step with your podcast, for example. <laughs> good contribution. Thank you very much. We're, we're trying our best. And uh, thanks for being our, our host today here at the KVUP headquarters. And uh, looking forward to, to meeting you somewhere else next time we have an, a conference, a congress, we'll or see. just a board meeting of the, the uh, European Council of Skeptical Organizations. I'll see you at the next Skype conference, right? <laughs> exactly. Thank okay, you. Okay, you're very welcome. Martin Manner, thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye-bye. It never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us. But there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. 
join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism, the time is now. Music by bensound.com. Join us at the third Denkfest Science Festival in Zurich in early November. How did discoveries in astronomy shatter our worldview? How rationally can we really think with our brains? Was the Reformation a necessary predecessor to the Enlightenment? And does Islam need a reform? How does a homeopath cope when she realizes that the discipline she studied can't keep its promises? 20 talks and panels on these and other questions. From 2nd to 5th of November, there's an ESP listener, you get a 10% discount with the code DF-FRIENDS. Students and individuals without income get 25% off. See denkfest.ch for details. What a colourful movement this is. Mm, yes, absolutely. And you know, I, I, I cannot emphasize this enough that every single time we get to meet all these people coming from all these countries i'm flying so it's like it it, it doesn't compare to anything else now it's, re- it's really really great and you you get to meet people who who are from other countries who, who have different problems than you have in your country but we all have this in in common that we really want to to spread you know critical thinking rationality uh, logical thinking and 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 things and you learn so much by talking to all these people and i'm so impressed by all the people out there who's doing such a fantastic job (laughs) but but there is one thing that sometimes makes me feel a bit weird and that is when I realize how much love I feel towards the movement and towards these people. And and then I start to question my my own status, if you know what I mean. So like like am I in a state of mind that resembles a bit of a a cult like attitude? So it's like <laughs> Well, yeah. It's a skepticism church. It's a skepticism church. <laughs> skepticism church. Church of skepticism. Skeptic. The Grand Church of skepticism. Yeah. GCS. Yeah. 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 But if you have to belong to one of the churches, this is the one to be in, I think. <laughs> the, the Holy Church of Perpetual Skepticism. <laughs> All right. Be very afraid. Hide your kids. <laughs> yeah, definitely hide your kids, and especially from Yelena. <laughs> <laughs> What else? But if you want to share your own impressions, uh, your your own ideas, or uh, your own feelings about the skeptics movement, we're always happy to to hear from you. And please get in touch with us. You can email us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu. You can also tweet at us. Our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu, or you can follow us on Facebook. Also, you can go on our website, which is theesp.eu, and complete a contact form on there. And if you get our podcast on iTunes, please don't forget to leave us a review, because uh, it helps to spread uh, the word and our popularity index. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as always, uh, when you're on our website, check out the events in in. Uh, Europe page where you can see all the skeptical conferences going on, the skeptics in the pub going on, uh, and just just to see how much that is happening all over the the continent. And if you are so inclined, don't uh, hesitate to click on the donate button and send us a few euros. It's really appreciated. Indeed. Talking of which. I'd like to use this opportunity to thank everyone out there who supported our About Time tour with Susan, Mark, Lubo and myself. Oh, yes. Because uh, it was it was a huge amount of help that we got from um, some of our listeners. And I don't I, I, I'm pretty sure that some people who actually donated are not listeners of the show. But but we are still very grateful to everyone. And uh, 
I'm just hoping that by releasing this, uh, these interviews and by Susan releasing a couple of things that uh, that she wrote down, she, she took a lot of notes, she's going to be running a, a whole series of articles. I'm, I'm hoping that you will all get something out of this as well. And it was not just for fun for us. Also, you know... When I left Hungary and I went back to Hungary with a car that I rented, the kilometer counter showed 4,000 kilometers. <laughs> that's, that's what I drove <laughs> along that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was expecting more like 666 or 66666. Oh, 66666. <laughs> oh, man. We should have, should have gone a bit further down in the south uh, in Italy, probably. But nah. ne- ne- Next time, Andres. Next time. Yeah, there is always about time to 2018. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's always about time, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid now it's about time we left this show alone and our listeners. So um, I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today, Yelena and Pontus. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And I thank our listeners as well for uh, tuning in, and please keep doing so, and share share. Uh, the episode, spread the word, and until next week, arrivederci. Arrivederci. Goodbye. Bye bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe It's not something that I, I want to prove something with, it's just... It's just you just have loud hands, yeah. I don't know. You you just have loud hands. You see, this is not the thing I ever thought about, but I guess there are people with loud hands. Yeah, there are. And I'm one of them. <laughs> the, those loud fuckers, the loud eh? fuckers, yeah. I'm a loud fucker anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not that way. <laughs> <laughs> that really is the way it You're a howler, yeah. Okay. Oh my oh. god. Okay, so yeah. You're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But we're recording 94. Yes, but it's not not released that uh, yet. Jesus Christ. You know, it's not released yet, you know. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, She must be exhausting. Uh, (laughs) She must be exhausted. Okay. Fuck the motherfucker and fuck you, motherfucker, if you think that motherfucker is sacred. If you cover for another motherfucker who's a kitty fucker, fuck you, you're no better than the motherfucking rapist. Oh, I don't know the rest of them. That was good. That was pretty good. I'm impressed.